Hey, hey, what's up, all my passive income investing people out there? My name is Dustin Heiner, and you are listening to the Master Passive Income Podcast. And at Master Passive Income, we talk all about real estate rental properties and how we can quit our job with the passive income that comes in as we buy a house, we fix it up, we get it rented, and then the rents pay for the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, any expenses, and all that stuff. And then we get money on top of that. So we can quit our jobs because we have money coming in. Now, I've gotten many, many questions from listeners all over the world asking many different questions. And so today I'm going to be answering a number of these questions. And a big one is about the rising interest rates. We know that right now the interest rates are going to keep going up or have been going up for quite a while. More than likely, they're going to keep going up. And a lot of people may think, well, rising interest rates, why in the world is that good for us as investors? Well, I'm going to tell you how in the show. All right, guys, let's get started. Let's start the show and learn about passive income and how we quit our jobs with real estate rental properties. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Now, it is December right now as I'm recording this episode, and I want to say Merry Christmas to all you out there, and I'm hoping you guys have a great Merry Christmas and a great season of, you know, just being with your family. Now, in December, I personally take like three quarters of the month off of doing really anything, and really the only thing I'm doing right now is this podcast because I want to get out there and keep giving you guys great content because I know you're always going to be learning, and I always love being able to share with you guys and talk to you guys, but right now I'm actually in California. Now, I used to live in California, moved to Phoenix because I wanted to. I didn't need a job. I just up and left and moved into one of my rental properties, which is working out fantastically. Now, we came back to Fresno, California, and that's where I'm at right now, and I get to see my, my dad, my, my brother and sister-in-law, my cousins, and all the obviously friends that we've made here in Fresno. And this week, we are in the Sierra Nevada mountains. There, there's a great mountain range called the Sierra Nevadas. It's actually fantastic. I love that mountain range. Grew up camping there, hunting and fishing and do all great stuff. And we have a cabin that we're staying at. It's absolutely beautiful. Hopefully, I'll be able to post some pictures on the show notes. And today's podcast show notes is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 038. It's the 38th podcast episode. So you should be able to see all the show notes there and any pictures that I post. But I am here having a great time in this Sierra Nevada mountains. I'm also seeing a bunch of people, all my friends, as well as not working. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Like I literally take three three weeks off of the entire month from doing anything. And you know, obviously, I don't work with my rental properties. What I'm saying is, normally, I you know, I don't do any. I try to do any coaching. I try not to do any um, uh, teaching or really anything, um, any shows or any guest interviews or anything like that. Just take the entire um, three quarters of the month off because I come to California and spend two or three weeks with my family and just try to, you know, get my brain away from all work and all everything when it comes to, you know, master passive income. But I know that I love getting my podcast out. I love talking to you guys and I want to give you guys some great value. So I wanted to tell you a story. Now, this story is when I was laid off from my job. Now, this is real life that just happens. You know, it's not, it, the saying goes, it's not if 
you lose your job. It's when you lose your job. Now, I'm a hard worker. Now, obviously, hopefully it comes across in my podcast and everything that I do. I work really, really hard. And I've worked hard so that my business was big enough so I don't have to work anymore. Praise the Lord. It's fantastic. But I work really, really hard. And so I worked really, really hard at my job. I worked at, the, at Fresno County. I worked very hard for many, many years. And sadly enough, I got laid off. You know, it was probably about... Five, no, about six years after we, I started building my business and I just had my fourth kid, my fourth child, um, like literally two weeks after I got back to work after a two week, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, paternity leave. After two weeks of paternity leave, I come back and two weeks later, you know, my boss is like ignoring me, not talking to me. Usually he's, I mean, he was a real jerk. I mean, this guy was a bad, bad dude. He was elected official and man, his, his politicians are horrible. And this guy was not exception. And I don't mind saying that. Anyway, so I was working for him. He was a bad dude. He'd always come and bother me, always make my life miserable. And for two weeks when I came back, he literally ignored me. He it was like, this is weird, but it's kind of a welcome change. I mean, he's a, he's a jerk. So I'm glad I didn't have to talk to him. But then all of a sudden, two weeks later, I get a pink slip saying, hey, you're basically laid off. You have two more weeks of working here and you're done. Now I can get into all the details of why I got laid off and all that sort of stuff. But you know, some of it is that it's not if you get laid off or if you lose your job or if you lose your income, it's when and it's going to happen. I never thought it was going to happen to me. My The boss before, the elected official before him, this the guy that laid me off, loved my work, thought I did a fantastic job. I got raises all the time. I got great reviews and promotions and all that sort of stuff. A new elected official come in. He's just, just a just jerk. He's just a bad person, like literally a bad person. I wouldn't trust him with $5 on the table. But he came in and obviously didn't like me for whatever reason. And so he found a way to lay me off. Now, the good news was that I had plenty of money coming in from my rental properties that I was prepared. I, I knew way back when I first started my family um, with my get, getting married and then two years later having our first kid. And I knew that I wanted to be independent. I didn't want to be dependent on anybody giving me a job. I felt like as a man, it was upon me to make sure that my family's always fed. There's always a roof over their heads. They always have food in their stomachs. They always have, you know, um, clothes to wear and things like that. Now, obviously, there's great things like, you know, fancy cars or anything. We never bought those, but I made sure that they had their necessities. And I didn't want to feel, and this is why I started investing, I didn't want to feel like I was letting my family down if I ever lost my job. And obviously I did. And so I worked hard because I, number one, I didn't want to feel like a failure. Number two, I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't need anybody else. And number three, I just really did not want to be having a job. I didn't want to have a boss telling me what to do day in and day out. I knew that I can make so much more money on my own than working for somebody else who's paying me an hourly wage. I give them an hour. They give me money for that hour. I hated doing that. Now, I literally don't work and make tons and tons of money. So praise the Lord, it's fantastic. So I was laid off. Now, a great thing was because I had such a great reputation working for the county. I had so many people that wanted me to work for them, but it just has to work out with, you know, having an opening and be able to fit, you know, it's just county and when you have labor unions and all that sort of stuff. Well, praise the Lord. As soon as I got laid off, my job was to, okay, number one, I have my rental properties where I could, I could make it work but I have a good reputation. Let me try to find another job. So I got laid off like on a Friday. 
And literally, I started making phone calls that Friday. And then Monday, I started making phone calls to every single department that I had connections with and said, hey, I'm a free agent, basically. You know, if you have a spot, I'd love to help you out any way that I can. Praise the Lord. I got laid off on a Friday. By the following Wednesday, I had another job. I got picked up by another department, fantastic department. Um, actually, it's the sheriff's department. Worked there for a number of years, and it was a great, great department. Um, really love working for them. Obviously, there's some good and bad things about working for somebody else, but I was picked up, and praise the Lord, I was able to spend another, I believe, three years there, and if I would not have gotten that job, I still would have been fine because I had all my money coming in from my properties, but that extra three years gave me the ability to build my business even stronger, even bigger, so that I did, I, like the business can keep growing on its own. You know, when I got laid off, I basically had enough money to replace my income, but how to build my business, it would be hard because I have to work for deals. I'd have to get creative with financing. It's so much easier to buy deals and get deals and make deals happen when you have cash. And so that, that extra two or three years helped me to have enough money to be able to quit well and continue to build my business. So I'm here to tell you from one hard worker to another, I know you're a hard worker just like me. It's not if you get laid off or if you get fired or if, you know, the, the company closes down or whatever it might be. If you have a job and you're depending on somebody else, it's not if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. And it happened to me. And now I literally never have to worry about anybody cutting off my supply of income, like my job or uh, the company goes under or, you know, there's no more work or whatever it might be. I am literally independent. Now, I also diversify. Now here's one of the listener questions that I get is what really is diversification? Like, should I buy into stocks? Should I buy into mutual funds? Should I, you know, invest in paintings or anything like that? Like what should I invest my money in? And here's my suggestion. This is how I diversify. Now I'll start by a, uh, basically something that Warren Buffett said. Diversification is for people who don't know what they're doing, that they're basically minimizing or mitigating their losses. So if you buy, you know, 15 different stocks because you don't really know what to do and you're hoping maybe one of those goes up and the other ones don't go down very much so you make money, well, if you diversify over 15 stocks when you should maybe only be buying four or five, you're diversifying and it's not really diversifying. You're just speculating. Now, what I do is... I buy, and this is how I, if you would call it, quote unquote, diversify, how I protect my income and make sure that I don't have all my eggs in one basket. I invest all over the country and in each state, I invest in multiple different cities in that country and I have multiple property managers. There was a time that I had, you know, like maybe 15 or, or 17 or 18 properties in one area, in one city. And I thought, man, you know, if that city went like blew up or the property manager went down or whatever happened, all my income, I'm going to have a, you know, be hurting. So what I decided to do was I started to branch out, started finding new states to invest in, new cities in those states to invest in and continue to find new areas to diversify the location. Now, the means, which is rental properties, did not change. I still make money hand over fist because of my rental property business and the automatic nature of it. I don't work and I still make money, but here's the great thing. I've diversified. So if one property manager goes under, I have another property manager waiting for that one, take over the entire business, start collecting rents right away. But then I also have a whole nother state. Like if this whole state explodes, then I have a whole nother state where I have money coming in. I diversify that way. It's the same business. But 
I diversify with different areas because real estate is always going to be in fashion. Even though prices go up, prices go down. That's another thing we're going to talk about with interest rates. Prices go up, prices go down. But at the same time, everybody needs a place to live. Anybody and everybody. And it doesn't matter if you won't live there. Like if you're going to buy, you know, like in uh, suburban or like, like downtown Detroit or something like that where it's not best place or I don't know if it is or isn't. I'm just saying in general, think of a bad place that you would not want to live in. You're not buying a place for yourself to live in. Somebody's going to live there. People do live there. Now, unless you're buying in the Antarctic where nobody's going to live, that's one of our principles of investing. You want to invest where people are living. And when you do that, you will be able to continually make money every single month. So don't think that, hey, because I won't live there, I'm not going to invest there. It's not location, 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 which we're always told in real estate, you know, Hey, it's, you got to find location, location, location. Like it's all about location. Well, I would completely disagree with that and say, it's not about location. It's about buying a good property that gives you cash flow every single month. Cause somebody's going to live there and somebody's going to be making money renting to somebody else who's going to live there. Okay. So that was listener question. Number one. Now, listener question. Number two is all about your income and expenses. The question basically is, Should I focus on cutting expenses or increasing my income? Now, a lot of people are stuck in the save a buck mode, basically cutting expenses. Now, I'm not saying that's bad at all. They don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't cut expenses, but you don't want to be stuck in that phase where you're trying to save a buck. You're trying to save a buck here. Like I need to fix a toilet. So I'm going to save a buck and not get a plumber out there or a handyman who's cheaper I'm going to go do it myself. Well, that time taken up to go do that, fix that toilet, you could be using that to play with your kids, hanging out with your spouse, going and serving the poor, doing whatever you want, or even building your business even bigger. But instead, you're saving a buck and you're going and fixing that toilet. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad at all. It's just I want you to start thinking between saving a buck now, instead of always just thinking about saving a buck, think about making a buck. How do I make more money and make all my problems go away? So if you have a leaky toilet, well, if you have 15 other or 30 other or 40 or 50 other properties, that leaky toilet, you think you're thinking, this is exactly what I think. That's a waste of my time. If I'm going over there and fixing that toilet, sure, I might save $10, but driving over there, fixing the problem, driving to Home Depot or Lowe's and driving back. And what's it going to take me like in uh, at least an hour and a half to two hours That Those two hours, I'm never getting back. That's the most precious commodity that we have is our time. That's what we spend is our time. And if you sum everything up all the time in your life, that's your life that you're spending. You're spending your life doing something that you can pay somebody else to do. You Just because you're trying to save a buck doesn't mean that's actually going to be saving you so much in the end. It's basically tripping over dollars to pick up pennies. We don't want to do that. We want to focus on two things. Number one, we do want to look at cutting expenses, but we don't want to just work on saving a buck. We also want to look at making a buck. Now the making a buck, it's basically figuring out ways to make more money, ways to find better properties that you can buy at cheaper prices, get more rents out of them. It's ways to make more money. Now there is a saying, and I'm not sure exactly how it goes, but it's basically this in business, All your problems are solved with more money. If you make more money, more money comes in, those problems will be solved. Like if you have a problem like, hey, I have a tenant that moved out 
and I need to fix up the property. It's going to cost $2,000 to fix it up and have, you know, carrying costs and, you know, finding and leasing, leasing out to somebody. Well, that's a problem because it's going to cost $2,000. Well, what happens is if you have other properties that are making you $50,000, that $2,000, hey, that's nothing. Your cash that's coming in solves the problem of that $2,000. So the more money you make, the better your life gets. And here's the thing with my, some of my coaching students, they have a lot of debt. Now, the downside is obviously you've gotten, you've dug yourself in the hole. What you need to first do is stop digging the hole deeper by going into more debt. And while you're doing that, look at how you can climb back out. So we cut the expenses and then at the same time, we figure out ways to make more money buying more properties, even possibly driving for Uber or getting a second job. I mean, I'm all for, and like I've told you many, many times, I'm all for working harder to make more money to buy more properties so that you can quit your job even sooner. It's so much easier to buy properties with cash. I have a friend of mine who he buys a lot of his uh, properties with um, creative financing and seller financing, and he goes to hard money dealers and all that sort of stuff. And I told him, man, that's just hard work. I, you, all that stuff, that's just exhausting. I'd rather just pay cash. And he goes, oh, you like to do it the lazy way. I'm like, lazy or more efficient, whatever you want to call it. I just like not doing work and buying properties and making money hand over fist. And that's how I do it. So I save my money. And again, I've told you many, many times, I still drive my 2007 Honda Odyssey. A number of reasons why, you know, I have the cash, but it gets me from point A to point B just fine. Now there's some little issues here and there, but shoot, I don't live for my car. If I had a new car, my kids would destroy that one too. You know, their their um, handlebars riding by and scratching up the side of the paint, which they do, or dumping their milkshakes or, you know, uh, French fries or whatever. And so I just realized, hey, it's just a thing. I don't value that. What I value is, I personally, and you might value cars. That's a great thing. I'm not saying don't. But whatever you value, that's what you're going to put your money in. Like I value traveling with my family. I love spending time with my family. And that's what I put my time and effort into. And I make my money or I increase my income so that I could spend more time with my family. Now in the next probably six months or a year, we'll probably look into buying a car and I'll give you the tip. And I think I might've shared this before, but what I'm going to do in order to buy a car is I think like the rich, actually, I think just in the last podcast episode, um, I just talked about this. So I'm going to think like the rich do. And let's say I want to buy a $35,000 car. You know, I'm not going to spend, you know, buy a $300,000 car because that's just ridiculous. I don't want to have that on my brain at night. Oh, is somebody breaking in my car? It's $300,000. I don't want to think about that. But if it's like a $30,000 car, oh, it's not nearly as bad as a $300,000 car. So what I'm going to do if, because I definitely have $30,000, I could literally put down in cash and buy the property. But instead, I'm going to go buy the property, buy the car. I'm kind of giving the punchline away. So I have the $30,000 to buy the car outright, but why not? buy a property that makes me $500 a month or $600 a month. With that property, I can use that all that passive income to pay for the car note that I get for that car from the dealer or whatever. And over time, the tenants are paying for that car. Once the car's paid off, that car is free and clear. I have that. And I still have the rental property. So instead of spending $30,000 on a car and just having the car when I'm done, I'm going to have the car and a rental property that's making me money hand over fist. So I want to get you guys to be thinking about the make a buck mode. Save a buck mode is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I love saving money. I love working hard to not spend money. Trust me, I'm fully on that. But we as investors also need to think about the make a buck mode. All right. Now, here's the big, big question I get from lots and lots of people. 
It's all about interest rates. It's all about the prices of homes and everything going on right now and anything in the future or in the past. Now, here's what happens. Now, the reason why I said at the beginning of the show, when interest rates go up, that's actually a good thing for investors. Now, a lot of people might think, well, how in the world is that good for investors? You know, we have to pay more in a mortgage. Well, we have to pay, you know, higher interest. And so when we buy the house, the interest rate's this. And so our mortgage payment's this. And so it's going to be higher and higher. Well, here's the reason why interest rates are good to go up for us as investors. Now, track with me here. With a mortgage on a property, if somebody has a 3% loan on a $200,000 house, let's just, I'm, I'm just throwing this number out there. Let's just say it's $1,100 a month in the mortgage payment. So the $200,000 home for 3% is $1,100 a month. Well, here's what's going to happen. If the interest rates go up, goes up to 4% or 5% or 6%, as the interest rates go up, the person that's buying the house that you and I are basically competing with, you know, not just, not necessarily investors, homeowners. We're invest. We're uh, competing against homeowners as well because they're buying the same inventory we're buying. We're just using it in a different function. We're not living in it. We're renting it out. And so the people that are buying these homes for two hundred thousand dollars at three percent, they only have eleven hundred dollars. They only have twelve hundred dollars, or maybe thirteen or fifteen hundred dollars at most to afford a mortgage. Now it's a. What's going to happen is as interest rates go up, prices of homes must come down. And the reason why it's supply and demand. If Johnny Homebuyer only has in his paycheck, he has the amount, he knows he can afford $1,200 a month in mortgage. That's all he can afford. He can't go a penny more because just his income and he doesn't have the ability because he has car payments and all that sort of stuff, but he knows he can afford a $1,200 mortgage payment. Well, he cannot buy a $200,000 house for 6% interest or 7% interest. So he has to put offers on $150,000 houses or $125,000 houses, which he would not normally want. That's all he can afford. So what happens is as interest rates go up, prices come down because there's less buyers. There's less demand for those properties. And when the interest rates go up, prices slowly show that they come down. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to see interest rates go up. Prices still staying the same, but that's because it's a lagging indicator. Uh, that's that's kind of a fancy way to say that uh, as interest rates go up over time, as people that are selling their homes, they're saying, hey, I can normally get $200,000 house for this house. They put it on the market for $200,000. Well, interest rates have now gone up. They're realizing, hey, I'm not getting any bites or I'm not getting any buyers even offering on my house. Like, I, it should be $200,000. Why isn't it selling? And so they keep it on the market a little longer, maybe like a month or two months at the same price. And they're like, man, this is two months. I'm not getting any traffic. I got to lower the price. Let me lower it to 195. Maybe that'll get somebody. Still nobody buys. So another two months go or two weeks go by, three weeks go by. Well, I'm going to lower it down to 185. Another month goes by. Well, nobody's still buying. It's and this is like, you know, six months from the time the interest rates went up. And then he's, well, you know what? Let me drop it down to 180 and then down to 175. And so maybe seven, eight months later, it gets down to 170, 165. And then maybe somebody snaps it up because that's when the interest rates and the purchase price has, they're at that good point where the Johnny on the spot buyer can buy it for $1,200 a month in mortgage. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, us 
as investors, love this because we don't only buy properties with a mortgage. Now, mortgages are fantastic. I buy lots of properties with mortgages, but I buy properties with cash. I buy properties with seller financing. I find wholesalers that help me get good deals on properties. Prices come down. I can buy better deals. I can have more money to get more properties and get more deals done. And so because there are so many different options to buy homes rather than just a mortgage, we're not depending on a mortgage that gives a six and a half percent. Like we are trying to figure out creative ways to find properties and get good deals. Now, as you build your business, hopefully you're going to be able to find that you have some extra money. I won't say extra. That's kind of a hard way to say it. You have money that you can invest in a property, buy a $30,000 property for cash. I know right now, if you don't have any business, um, if you don't have any properties, thinking about buying a house for $30,000 cash sounds really, really hard. And when I first started, I never thought I'd be able to do that. But now I'm buying $150,000 houses for cash, refinancing and pulling the money back out. Now, if you're in this place where you're thinking $30,000, man, how am I ever going to do that? Well, if you just get your first property, and I have many other podcasts, go back and listen to my other podcasts where I talk about how to start with no money and start a, a solid and get a solid business. If you do that, if you just get one property, that's going to get you on the track to get your second property, then your third, then your fourth, then your fifth, and on your 10th and 15th, then you'll have money coming in that you'll just be able to buy houses month after month because you have money come in and you have created ways to get financing. You can find seller financing deals. You even have investors working with you, giving you money to buy properties. There are so many ways. And I help my students do all of these because it's so much better when you have somebody that's showing you how to do it, that's done it before and says, hey, I screwed up doing this. Don't do this. Do this because this other way is the better way and this is how I made money. When I work with my students, I make sure that they're gonna be doing the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing, which I've done. Now, when interest rates go up, getting back to the interest rates, when interest rates go up and they will, prices will come down, but it'll be slow to come. The prices will come down slowly but they will eventually get there. Now, currently right now, this is December of 2018. I'm hearing rumors and talks that there is going to be possibly a re recession um, coming up in the next year. I've heard actually many people say there's gonna be a crash, but here's, even if it's a crash or a recession, this is something that I've learned and I've learned it from smarter people, older people, more wiser people than me, that when there's a bull market, bull market is basically means, you know, increasing like the market's going up, the stock market's stocks are going higher, uh, real estate's getting higher, everything's more expensive. When there's a bull market means prices keep going up, there has to be a correction. There will always be a correction. Something's going to happen that's going to make prices come down a little bit or a lot. Now we've had in the real estate market a, a huge increase for the last, uh, I would say, eight to 10 years, ever since the crash in 2008, 2009, it's gone up. And here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that prices now of homes are right now at the same price as when it crashed 10 years ago. So a house that was selling 10 years ago before the crash for 300000 once the crash hit, it was worth maybe, you know, like 150, 170. Now it's right back up to 300,000. Now in my professional opinion, and I've also heard many other people say this, they're, they're smarter than me that say this, but um, there's no logical reason for prices to be right back up to where they were when they crashed in 10 years. Like that is, that is not normal. And a lot of reasons why currently that's happening is because the low interest rates for so long 
have made it so that people got relaxed. Banks are getting relaxed on their lending. Back in 2010, you could not get a loan. When I bought one of my houses, actually a house to live in, I went through literally six months of working with the bank to try to get them to give me the loan because they were so so stringent and they were not giving out loans. Now, today, loans are almost giving out left and right. They're, they're not doing subprime. I don't think they are. I've never seen them. But they, they, they um, are getting so in the relaxed state of lending that people are getting mortgages left and right. And so people are driving up prices. But what's happening now, homes are sitting longer because interest rates are going up. What happens now is that home that was worth 300000 will be, let's say this time next year, worth a hundred or sorry, two hundred and eighty thousand, or maybe two hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred and ten thousand, whatever it might be. It's gonna come down. And for us as investors, we invest for cash flow. We don't invest for appreciation. If I buy a house and it depreciates in value, I really don't care because I know I'm holding on to it forever, forever, you know, until I actually want to upgrade to an apartment complex or something like that, or pass it on my children or whatever it might be. And I am making money. If you listen to another one of my podcasts, I'm sorry, I don't have the references off the top of my head, but where I talk about the six different ways that you make money with rental properties, you make money six different ways, everything from equity to uh, equity when you buy the property, equity capturing, that's equity capture, forced equity appreciation. You've, you have natural appreciation, you have cash flow, you have tax advantage. There's so many different ways that you make money from a rental property that even if the value goes down, it'll go back up eventually. I mean, we could already see that back in 2008 when people were underwater. Sorry, 2008 was when it was high. 2010, they're underwater by like $100,000. Now they're back up where they're above water by like $50,000. So markets always change. But if you invest for cash flow, you are going to do a fantastic job at making sure that you minimize the loss of money out of your pocket. You're going to do so much better than in the stock market. If you got, if you have $100,000 in the stock market and you lose 50% of your money, it goes down to $50,000. Now, what's sad is if you go from $100,000, lose 50%, now you're at $50,000 in value, you have to gain not 50% to get back up to $100,000. That'll only be $75,000. You have to gain 100% in order to get back to where you lost. So going from $50,000 to $100,000, you have to do 100% return on your money. In rental properties, we don't bother with any of that. All that stuff's great. It'll come eventually over time, but we invest in cash flow. That's how we can quit our job. Now, I get a lot of students who ask me, well, what about the like 401k where I can borrow from my 401k, rent or buy a property, rent it out, and the money goes right back into the 401k? Can't I do that? I said, yes, absolutely you can. If that's your goal is, is to use that money when you're 65 and you can retire and not get taxed and take out a little bit at a time, then if that's your goal, that's fantastic. But why not utilize that money now? Instead of saving it or putting it in a 401k, well, you will then eventually use it when you're 65. Well, if you're 35 right now, wouldn't you like to have that cash flow right now that you can quit your job? That's what I did. I literally cashed out my entire 401k and all my IRA. I cashed it all out, even with the penalties, with the taxes and all that sort of stuff. I cashed it all out because I make money hand over fist with my rental properties. Now, 
In your case, you may or may not want to do that. That'd be, you know, if we get into coaching, I will show you the, the reasons why you should and why you shouldn't and give you options and, and um, kind of gives you the best train of thought to make the best decision for you. I'll suggest what I've done and what worked out for me. And obviously me quitting my job, that's the ultimate thing that I wanted. I'll help you to see what I did and walk you through that. But you make the decision. If that's your goal, that you want it when you're 65, then great. We will absolutely do that. I have, I actually have many contacts of companies that will do all that work for you and it makes it so much easier on you as opposed to you doing all the work. Anyways, I got all those contacts for you. Now, today's podcast session, we're talking about listener questions. And so if you have any questions that I could potentially read and answer on this podcast, you can go to my masterpassiveincome.com and at the top, you can click on the about and actually if you could ask Dustin is the link at the top. Click on Ask Dustin. There's a little email list that, or like a form that you fill out and you can email me your question and you will always get a response back to your email. And hopefully, if I get enough people asking about that same topic, I'll talk about it on this show. Out of the thousands of people that listen to this podcast, I know lots of people have the same questions and I want to be able to answer them to help you out. I really want to see you succeed because I know you can. As long as you buy that first property, Get the jitters out of your stomach and get the nervousness out and know that you can do it once you get that first check of $200 or $250, $300, $350 from one property in your pocket. You're going to be thinking, how can I get more of these? And so I would love to help you out. Let's go ahead. I want to share with you my free course. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course to get your free investing course so you can get started to see if this well, this whole investing thing is for you. And also, I'd love it if you subscribed and rated my, my podcast. I would truly, truly appreciate it. It gets more people to see the podcast and hopefully get to change their lives with real estate rental properties. You guys have a merry, merry Christmas. Um, I am looking forward to seeing how everybody in this new year is going to be able to change their lives with real estate rental properties. I know I have goals that I've set for myself that I'm going to strive for. I'm hoping that you set goals to buy your first property, you buy your second or fifth or 10th property and change your life with real estate rental properties. All right, guys, again, have a Merry Christmas. Take care and peace out.